I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week... The mirror strikes again <laughs> on the episode of NXT that originally aired on October 23rd, 2014. And in this episode, it might seem recently like Bob is gunning for my world podcasting championship. <laughs> but actually, I'm not too worried because we all know they can't pod the big one. Oh, geez. Well, fuck. I wish that was true, Miles. <laughs> Welcome to episode 75, 75, good God, of the next wrestling fan. God damn it! 75, that's amazing! Oh, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, Sami Zayn officially began his road to redemption, and we put those potent, straight-from-the-source good boy feels into a sympathy syringe and jammed it into the neck of wrestling newbie Annie Creighton. Yes, we did! I have it on good authority that she's been forever changed. Anyway, (laughs) while last episode's feelings were centered firmly around Sami Zayn, this episode is more about his friend-slash-rival-slash-lover, Adrian Neville, Uh, as well as the newly heel-turned Becky Lynch, thank you for that evil mirror, and of course, the most important thing, the thing you're all here for, this episode does contain a Jason Jordan match. We will get to all of that and so much more in Bob's Breakdown, after which we will have to somewhat anticlimactically ring the bell for one of our friends here in NXT. We will, of course, get into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling before draping one or more lucky competitors in the shimmering golden raiment that is the Boren's Olivier Award for Outstanding Commitment to the Bit, and then, after Bob delivers what will presumably be both a hairy and a huggy fanfic, mm. it will be time for the final edition of Women's Wrestling History of the Week. Wow. I mean, Women's History of the Week. You're not going to stop, but okay. We'll talk about it. <laughs> and as always, we will wrap things up with a cheap pop quiz, but since we had a guest on our last episode... There are no cheap pop quiz answers to go over, which means we get to jump immediately into Bob's Breakdown. Commentary team, Rich Brennan, Alex Riley, Jason Albert, and you know what? It was not that bad. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I don't maybe I wasn't paying attention. Maybe that was what was happening. I my experience of commentary is so dependent on the extent to which I am engaging with it at any given time yeah. and at which moments I am engaging with it because I will hear two funny things and be like terrific A+. Plus. I actually think this one probably wasn't that bad. I've been watching, you know, ahead a little bit more as I mentioned. And there's at least one episode coming down the road where that combination is not a good combination. So maybe I just have PTSD from that. I can't imagine that it's going to remain like a good situation, but you know. Sure. 
yeah, 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 yeah. Match one, The Ascension versus Jason Jordan and Ty Dillinger. So love my vampire boys. Also fucking shout out to all 70,000 of Jordan and Dillinger's abs. (laughs) I understand that to see abs really properly, that often people have to be somewhat dehydrated to properly see them. And that fucking sucks. But like Mm -hmm. as a spectacle, it's truly something. No one should do it, but it is impressive to see it nonetheless. So if I had abs like that, I would totally do it. All I'm saying. I don't want a UTI and I don't think anyone does. So I'm like, I have a mixed relationship with the very idea of dehydration, but sure. I mean, I don't think you have to be that dehydrated. <laughs> well, maybe not. I don't know the rules. Yeah. I don't know enough about fucking supplements. Fair enough. The blood drinkers trade off on Jason Jordan tenderizing every single muscle group to get him nice and juicy. Until Jordan delivers a back elbow that frees him to touch the hand of his partner, Ty Dillinger. Surely, surely Ty Dillinger is going to get to look good, right? Because he is a good at the wrestles. He's so good at the <laughs> wrestles when you let him do the wrestles. No, not even one fucking tiny bit. Not for a second. Flapjacked, fall of manned, and then folded in half like a taco. It was a deep fold yes for the pin so the ascension is <coughs> victorious oh, <laughs> very good. thank you so hideo itami comes out to attack the ascension and it's two on one so it goes exactly the way you fucking think it's gonna go <laughs> and itami for all of his superior kicks could not hope to compete against the power of a love for blood mm. and the love that powers the undead hearts of Connor and Victor. <laughs> and now, Miles, because it's so exciting, because yes. we get to do this, and I screamed yes. at the television whenever I was like, I just went, Jason Jordan Wrestling Detective! <laughs> Megan Bob, what is Jason Jordan Wrestling Detective investigating this week? This was the opportunity I needed to make these birds sing. I had a hunch these two might be the bloodsuckers I was seeking. The smell of iron was like walking past a foundry on a hot day. And the protein shakes they drank? I bet my lucky socks that wasn't red velvet flavored creatine powder in there. (laughs) The match? The match was a bust. Ty, bless him, got turned inside out like a used rubber glove and that was that. The vampiric strength was more than I think either of us bargained for. We headed out after, but Itami attacked, and that got me thinking. Is he an ally I can use in this? Is he a vampire hunter in his own right? (laughs) Maybe I should leave this whole thing to him and move on to another investigation. There's plenty of mysteries around here going on. I've got a lead that something's up with the mirror in the women's locker rooms. (laughs) I don't know if I believe in that kind of thing, but I didn't used to believe in vampires either. Mm. Florida, it's a hell of a drug. (laughs) That's factually correct. I know, right? Miles, what's up? The continuing adventures of Jason Jordan, wrestling detective. I stumbled back into my office, my hand flailing around and eventually catching the light switch. Panting and sweating, like a chippy in a flophouse. <laughs> I dragged myself to my desk where I kept what were, in this moment, my two most valuable possessions. A bottle of hooch and a bowl of finely minced garlic. 
Goddamn vampires. I muttered to myself as I poured the whiskey into the bowl and began mixing the contents together. The Ascension match had been a complete waste of time. Nobody had done any peck shimmy, so that was a dead end. <laughs> Ty had gotten pinned immediately after I tagged him, because of course he had, and the vamps barely cared we were there at all. When they weren't staring lovingly into each other's eyes and Aww. baring their teeth in explicitly sexual hunger, they were Aww. beating up that Itami guy for whatever reason. The only thing I had gotten out of there with was bite marks. <gasps> Lots of bite marks. Fortunately for me, I had long since figured out a cure for vampirism, if you could apply it to the bites within about an hour. That didn't stop the damn things from hurting. I finished mixing the garlic and whiskey and turned toward my bookshelf, where I always kept a copy of the King James Bible for just such an occasion. Of course, Ty didn't have any bite marks, I thought to myself, ripping out several pages. The Ascension hadn't needed to bite Ty to beat him, they had basically just needed to lightly graze him. <laughs> I wondered briefly if I would have offered Ty the antidote if he had been bitten, or if I would have just let him turn. Aww. Maybe the only mystery here was why I had chosen such a rube to be my tag team partner. Aww. And then, as I was soaking the Bible pages in the whiskey-garlic mixture, it suddenly hit me like a sock to the jaw. I hadn't chosen Ty. Not really. We'd just been paired up. Paired up by someone, I realized, <gasps> who wanted me out of the way. Oh, fuck. There was only one reason to put anyone in a tag team with Ty Dillinger, to keep them away from the championships. <gasps> Those titles had to contain the secret that could blow this whole thing wide open, <gasps> which meant I had to examine them, which meant going straight to the top. Oh, fuck. I gritted my teeth pressing the whiskey and garlic-soaked Bible pages into the bite wounds, which immediately started the smoke as they cauterized. Oof. The situation could get sticky. Ah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Miles, we're the fucking best. Our show is the best. We are the best. Where else are you going to hear this kind of crap? What other podcast? <laughs> I submit to you, no other podcast. Yeah, everybody else is out here doing wrestling podcasts that take this shit seriously like idiots. <laughs> like fucking rubes. <laughs> Come here, we promise dumb shit every time. <laughs> Look, we make the podcast we want to listen to. Absolutely. Speaking of dumb shit, Lady Whistledown's match report. Yes. It's difficult for one to imagine how much longer the welcome of Reverend Parker can last. Although he is frequently invited to the events of the ton, there is every reason to suspect that this is more about not offending than of goodwill. <laughs> One such man who has little interest in preventing offense is Viscount Breeze. He's all too happy to take his ill temper out on anyone, clergy or no. It is unknown whether an ill word passed between them, but a bit of a duel broke out that, while it seemed to have the whiff of competition about it, proved to be little more than a farce, as Viscount Breeze hit the beauty shot and promptly ended the contest without controversy. The only potential scandal brewing was the surprising presence of Mr. Raleigh at ringside clutching his arm, which had been lately injured in a previous encounter with Viscount Breeze. Raleigh is said to be retiring to the country to convalesce for some time, although it is reported that he intends to remain hype while at his estate. <laughs> we wish him a speedy recovery. Mm. So, I, what the fuck? Are we just trying to make sure that no one forgets Mojo Raleigh exists? Because goddamn, they've made a real bid to make sure that no one cares about him. And I'm like, what is this? Why are you doing this? I don't understand it. I'll talk more about that a little bit later. Okay, it's a weird fucking move. I was like, yeah, 
You can't do both and be like, no, fuck this guy. Wait, but remember this guy? Fuck him. But remember? And like, no, stop <laughs> it. What are you doing to me? Backstage. Bark, bark, bark. I don't remember how he does the fucking thing. <laughs> Something? Oh, who knows? Yeah. It's Titus O'Neil. And he's like, hoo 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 Yeah, hoo yeah. Something. I don't know. Now we're just making fucking noises. Yeah. It's like a kia. Yeah. Kia. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> let's just make animal noises for a while. <laughs> You've got small children. This is a vital part of your life. Don't tempt me, Bob. I will turn this entire podcast into animal noises. Oh, my God. Miles, what does the cow say? Oh, you have no idea how many things the cow says, Bob. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> so Titus O'Neil's here. He's going to abuse Neville's body and damage his mind and take his NXT championship away from him. Sounds like a solid plan. Yeah. So we will see how it goes against the man that gravity forgot. It's a bold plan, Cotton. We'll see if it works out for him. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, I mean, it's a plan. Yeah. It's not nothing. Okay, match number three. The hottest villains in NXT come to the ring ready to do some ill deeds. It is the VOD villains. They're up against Buddy Murphy and Wesley Blake. So Flutter Shorts Murphy is in with English first and receives a double Marquis of Queensberry special right to the kisser, courtesy of that vaudevillian tag team cohesion. Gotch is tagged in and begins a campaign of arm and shoulder shenanigans that gives Flutter Shorts Murphy the chance to scream loudly, which I was very pleased by. It's like, <laughs> ooh, look at you selling in all the ways. So he crawls away and evades the tagged in English to get hands on Wesley Blake. Wesley Blake is no match for the uppercut from Gotch and the head bonk from English. And then Gotch proceeds to do a cover that would really, quite frankly, not be out of place at an orgy where everyone's just really trying to participate as best they can. <laughs> like, I mean, Gotch is doing an impromptu spreader bar, and it is not unappreciated. You're not wrong. But boy, I was like, wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know how to parse the fact that you've decided to introduce this particular spread act into the end of this match, but okay. I mean, look, this is why when people vehemently defend pro wrestling not being gay, I just, like, laugh and shake my head. Maybe you don't know what gay means. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I feel like you've misunderstood that. <laughs> Come over here, we can teach you. Yeah, exactly. No, we have books. It's all good. <laughs> match four, Bailey enters, and it's the most beautiful thing in the fucking universe. And my heart explodes every time now that music hits. I knew you mm. knew it would get me, but now that the music and the fucking streamers and everything, I'm like, <laughs> I love you. You're so important to me. You and my son. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. And then Sasha comes out. I fucking dance to her music every time. Like, I'm just sitting there just like doing like the little shoulder thing. It's fucking great. Both of their music, they're just bangers. They're fucking bangers. Yeah, unappreciated part of their games. I need to totally get them on my like little gym playlist. Yeah. I only have one wrestling entrance song on there, and it is... Is it Judas? No, no. Oh, okay. It's Jungle Boys. Oh, okay. I don't know his song. It is a kind of 80s synth pop Italian song. It's very beautiful, and the singer was from Northern Ireland and was gay, and it's great. I have Judas on mine, so... Oh, well, all right, you're allowed to. <laughs> I thought you were asking if I had Judas on mine because you were going to be like, I can't fucking believe you, Bob. I like okay. Fozzie. We saw Fozzie in concert. Yeah. Would you still go see Fozzie now? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A bit of a bad taste yeah. about that man now, but yeah. moving on. 
now we're clearly going to settle shit between Sasha and Bailey because that hasn't been an ongoing thing that's just going to continue to the end of time. Right. This is like match number nine. Still ongoing as of this recording. (laughs) Somewhere in the universe, Sasha and Bailey are fighting. If you're listening to this in 2030, that's still happening. They're still fighting. They're still fighting. Yeah. Bailey starts out aggressive and ready to end this bad girl who's been a problem. And Bailey picks up Sasha for a slam and like... Fuck, it's amazing every time I see it, just because you're like, Jesus fucking Christ, this one woman picked up another woman and and slammed her to the fucking (laughs) mat. And it's weirdly beautiful and attractive, and I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah, wrestling. I know. Wrestling, have weird feelings. Mm -hmm. So, Bailey continues pounding by back elbowing and arm dragging the entire fuck out of Sasha. And Sasha trips Bailey up on the ropes and Bailey does an extraordinary face plant. It's very cute. Very good. Yes. Sasha lines up some offense and Irish whips off the rope. And I fucking love this moment because rather than like she comes off the ropes and she's like, you know, normally you're going to do a knee or do like a kick Mm, or whatever. Just like goes slap to the face. And I was like, this is like a come on. This is what is is this there's some good slaps in this episode i gotta say there are some good fucking slaps in this episode the refs like don't do that and sasha's like you want to fucking tell me what to do (laughs) and the ref's like okay i am slightly afraid of you you're correct i will back down on this Uh, Bailey fights out of this offense and mounts some of her own, but it is not enough to avoid a brutal backstabber that fully flips Bailey head over ass. Mm -hmm. It was gorgeous and awful. I like you don't have a spine anymore. That's been destroyed. And then Sasha locks in that neck and back wrenching move, the bank statement and Bailey taps out, which I was like, you know what? Normally, I would be pissed if Bailey tapped out of it. I mean, not pissed at Bailey, but just like, ah. But after that backstabber, I was like, you know what? That's fair. I believe that. Yeah. Sasha is not finished working over her victim, though, because she's like, no, I'm going to keep beating you up because it's fun to beat you up. And then Becky Lynch shows up and scares off Sasha and picks up Bailey, just like helping her to her feet. Yeah. And it's like, it's all very sweet. Very sweet. And then punches her face into the ropes to fucking wreck her so damn bad that Bailey is curled up in a ball in the ring. And Becky and Sasha leave together. Yep. And it's so fucking hot. <laughs> it's so hot. It's why it's so hot that this was because this was like a fucking prom proposal <laughs> to be like. Hey, I kind of am into you. What if I totally beat up this person who you also don't like and then we can date? And I'm like, oh, swoon. Swoon. I saw you in the mirror in the women's locker room and I totally dig your vibe. Yeah. Oh, fuck me. Yeah, no, it was very, I was like fanning myself as these two angry, beautiful women walked up the ramp. Yep. All right, backstage, Carmella is accosted by Enzo and Cass to say that Enzo was able to swing a match with Emma for her, which I am very excited because that means we get to see Emma again. Yeah. Carmella couldn't give even none shits about what Enzo did as long as it's getting her the opportunity to move to the top. Right. And she has a thing, so she needs to go. So she leaves no kiss for Enzo, who naturally remains miffed because he was like, I did a friend thing for you and you're not going to give me sexual attention. Mm. And I was like, great. Shame. Classic. Shame about that. I know. I love that Carmela's like, no, I'm not. Fuck you. Yeah. You're a little rat man. Yep. And not even a good little rat man, because some rat men are so fuckable, and he's like nothing. Yeah, and like, <sighs> as far as I know, they're like never going to get together or anything. So this is just like all fantastic. 
You cock block that little piece of shit every day of the fucking week. Yeah, yeah. Main event. Titus O'Neil is going to challenge this damp hobbit for the one belt about. <laughs> damp hobbit. Now, I want to say, I know, Neville usually looks... If you've ever seen him with his hair dry, I'm not going to lie. I've looked at some pictures of Neville. <laughs> it's fluffy hair. Yeah. Not super fluffy, but he's got curls yeah. and waves, yeah, yeah. so it's a little bit floofy. So he tends to wet it, I would presume, as a way to like kind of control that and make himself look more evil than he would normally if he looked a little bit more like a cocker spaniel. He's far from the first to do this. Yeah, totally. Triple H made a whole career out of getting his hair wet. Like, that was his whole thing. But the thing is that normally his hair is a certain amount of damp. Right. This time it looks like he was plucked out of the brandy wine. <laughs> like, he had just been swimming and they're like, your match is on. Please, you need to stop. He was like, oh, shit. Yes. And that's how wet his hair is. I cannot emphasize enough how wild the size difference is. Neville is headlocking Titus O'Neil such that Titus is having to bend in half. When Neville tries to play it low to the ground like sort of goes between the legs. Titus just deadlifts him because he can. He can just yeah. deadlift Adrian Neville, who is pure muscle. Yes. He's just a big dude. Yeah. He's not tall, but there is a lot of him. Yes. So now Neville has to use his hobbity nimbleness to get out of a lot. But, you know, there are limits to this. So Titus does take control. It's fine. It's fine. It's miles. It's perfectly adequate. It's the point of the match where Titus is in control, and I accept that that was a thing that had to happen. Yeah, exactly. I was like, yeah. this is, you had to do it? All right, we're doing it. Titus sets that little hobbit butt on the top rope and lets the fuck go, and Neville just fucking dead falls backwards off the rope, bonking the apron and hitting the floor on the outside. Mm -hmm. Because... I don't know why. I don't know what calls to him to do such things. <laughs> Something in him says, I know gravity has forgotten me, but I have not forgotten it. And I wish to feel it sometimes. I wish to be reminded of the close embrace that I share with gravity. Yeah. Once upon a time before it forgot who I was and stopped returning my calls. And so this is him booty calling gravity, I guess. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> well, he's like, hey, baby, you may have forgotten me, but I didn't forget about you. Hey, look, sometimes you do things to yourself for your art, Bob. And if the things you do to yourself for your art involve briefly going back to your abusive ex, which is gravity, then I guess that's what you do. I'll say gravity and I... I mean, I'm grateful that I don't float in the air. That's nice. I'm glad that I have that going for me. But, like... I don't appreciate that gravity sometimes sneaks up on me. I do not fall over a lot, but I wobble frequently. Me and gravity are tight. I like being solidly on the ground. This is why I don't like ladders. I fucking hate ladders so much. I am not allowed to change the smoke alarm because, no. I mean, Neil would let me, but like it's kind of casually understood in our relationship that it's such a fucking risk that we just shouldn't let me do it. Back in the ring. Titus bear hugs this little hobbit, and it looks like a porn scene that was blocked by a fight scene choreographer. <laughs> like, it's very clearly intense and physical and not a fight, but it is a fight, but mm, it's not. Yeah. 
doing anything that would suggest to you that it's a fight, but nor is it really leaning into any kind of eroticism besides the fact that they're two large, largely naked men like doing this thing. It is extremely weird to see it. Yeah, I agree. After that weirdness, Neville resorts to his most powerful tool, kicking. And he's got momentum. But the problem is that Titus O'Neil can very easily end that by just fucking booting Neville to the face and Neville collapses like a deflating bouncy castle. <laughs> yeah, Titus O'Neil really is like a momentum killer in every sense of the word. Like that's his whole thing. It's so fun to see it because it is like a pinball just going ping, 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 boom. It's just gone. Stop. Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then there is a double kick to the face from Neville. And it is just enough. It is just enough to down O'Neill and to get him into position to eat the red arrow. And Neville takes the win. And then, ah, guess who comes out from the back? Oh. It's our protagonist, Sami Zayn. Oh, my God. Oh, my fucking God, Miles. (laughs) Sammy propositions him for a match like yeah uh-huh. no it's a proposition miles we both agree on this are you down to fuck yeah yes. oh we'll get into this we are gonna fucking talk about it neville is down and it's so fucking hot and it's even hotter when neville is like no nah, i'm not worried about it you can't win the big one so don't you stress yep. too much about sealing the deal with me baby i'll rock your world and uh we'll still come away from this with me on top so see you when i see ya miles <laughs> It's so condescending. I love it so much. The fucking tension. I was so angry that there are so few fanfics about this. Just the outrage that I was like, no. How could anybody have seen this and just been unmoved? Maybe there weren't enough people watching NXT at the time, but Jesus fucking Christ. It was too hot to be born. This was like when people really started to get on board like in a bigger way. It was around this time. Yeah, but they got on board the wrong way. Yes, they got on board without accompanying fanfic, and for that, they can never be forgiven. No, thank you. All right, Bob, thank you so much for that breakdown. How did you find this episode overall? I was not into every match in terms of, like, going, oh, this is a great match, but I was definitely into everything that was happening as far as, like, going, oh, man, there's interpersonal shit. Even the Ascension shit, because I'm always like, yay, vampire lovers. And then, oh, my God, I got to see Jason Jordan Wrestling Detective, so, like, I will watch him do anything because it's Jason Jordan Wrestling Detective. I mean, the shit with Breeze and Parker, who gives a fuck? That's why Lady Whistledown went there. (laughs) So I was like, what else am I going to do with this? Do you want me to just tell you? And then it was over. Right, right, right. Although it was weird to me to watch that happening. So there's like storylines and that's really fun. And it was not the banger that was the kid Zane match. Sure, sure. But it was delicious in a different way. So I was very happy about it. All right. Well, I appreciate that. We can talk more about all of that in the sight, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. But real quick before we do that, we have to quickly ring the bell softly because this person will be back. But on this episode, we are ringing the bell for Mojo Raleigh. Okay. I could actually be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure that this weirdly aggressive like ringside appearance is the last we see of Mojo for, like, six months at least. Oh. As we mentioned a couple episodes ago, Mojo is injured really seems like they know he's injured. He got a whole promo about how he was injured and everything, so I don't know why he's out here staring down Breeze when, spoiler alert, it's never going to lead to anything. These two will never wrestle each other in NXT again. So, if I had to guess, I'd say that they taped his backstage promo after this 
episodes in ring stuff had already been filmed, but then why are you airing it out of order? And why have Mojo come down to ringside for this match at all when you already did the thing where he's supposed to be injured? I, I, don't, I don't understand any of this. It's fine. Yeah. We will have Mojo back in a while, but for now we are saying goodbye to the hype man. May you return healthy and with a better understanding of what your catchphrase means. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, Bob. Well, with that, it's time for the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. So, Megan, Bob, what did your elf eyes see? I'm so sorry. These are all extremely horny. <laughs> That's fine. Why don't? Why are you apologizing for that? Okay, my elf eyes saw there was a moment. Okay, this is because you've seen Adrian Neville's thighs, right? You've fucking seen them. Yes. That bear hug. Did you? <laughs> I am vibrating right now. I'm trying to control this. Uh-huh. Neville's thighs were stretched so fucking wide against Titus O'Neil, and I saw that, and I'm going to see it for the rest of my fucking life. <laughs> If you go back and see it, you will see it, and you will never unsee it, Miles. I'm going to go back and watch. I'm going to go back and watch. It is extraordinary. Mm. Miles, what did your elf eyes see? Also, Adrian Neville-related, I just want to shout out his pink trunks. I know. He's the best. Is he wearing those in part because WWE is doing a Breast Cancer Month awareness thing and partnering with Susan G. Komen? Maybe... That would be weird, but, like, whatever. Nobody else is doing it, and I'm a sucker for a dude in pink, so. Yeah, amen. Also, yes, they've been doing a bunch of Susan G. Common stuff, and I haven't talked about it because fuck them for doing that. Fuck them, yes. No, I know. I don't want to talk about it. I just wanted to say it in that context. I don't know if that's why he's wearing it or not, but I hope it's not. And regardless, he looks great in pink. But if you were wondering if WWE has shitty interests in terms of their philanthropic work, yes, they do. Of course they do. The end. Uh, why would you even ask that? All right, Megan Bob, what is your Vulcaneers here? Lip biting time. All right. <laughs> Me and you, Sammy, whenever you want it, wherever you want it. What? What the fuck? What the? I I am clutching my fucking pearls. That is sh- the the audacity, the fucking cheek to just do that. Oh my god! No, it was it was extremely good, and I was like, so this is just like when do you want to fuck, right? Right. Oh my god. Yeah, basically, let's side of the place. <sighs> All right, Miles, what your Vulcaneers here? Just a, a small, funny light of commentary. Not, not even a full light of commentary. It's something that happened during the women's match. I believe it's Rich who is talking about Sasha. And I think what he's going to say, or possibly even does say, is that she's like not a girl you want to mess with or not a girl you want to piss off or something like that. Mm. He says, not a girl, and then like pauses. And then I think he tries to like finish his thought, but by then everybody else is talking over him. Uh-huh. So, like, it just sounds like he's like, Sasha Banks, not a girl. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? Yeah, that's the danger of leaving a hanging sentence like that is like, it just comes off like you're an idiot. But, you know, that's, we're podcasters. We know this. But it also made me want to see Janet from The Good Place in a wrestling ring, or possibly, since we're talking about Sasha, bad Janet from The Good Place in a wrestling ring. Oh, um, that's a good question. It's up your mom's butt, you fat dink. Ooh. She'd be a great heel. Ooh. 
She would totally fart on people. It'd be amazing. That would be fucking amazing. All right, I will think about putting that in my next fanfic. <laughs> All right, Megan Bob, what do your human heart feel? How fucking hot Sasha Banks is when she's being mean. Mmm, love it. She's so mean. And, like, I don't always go, oh, no, that's a lie, Miles. I do always go, oh, when it's a mean girl. <laughs> don't you fucking lie to me. I'm a sucker for a mean girl. Mean girls are the prettiest. And, yeah, she's a mean girl. She's so mean. And I was just very into it because I was like, sometimes you think, well, I've seen all the mean that Sasha Banks has in her. And then you're like, oh, right. gasp, there was more meanness in there? Oh, delicious oh and there's so much more bob you have no idea how much more meanness there is to come with her oh my god i love bailey but sasha banks has a dangerous hold over my heart absolutely same all right what about your human heart i felt the becky turn yeah like i felt for bailey in that moment because like she's now been turned on twice by people she thought were her friends to join up with sasha banks (laughs) i just like i don't know i really enjoy becky as a heel and i'm looking forward to getting to deal with that for a while i really enjoy her and sasha together and I don't know. I just thought the turn was done well. It was one of those turns where it's like not, you know, kind of organically built. It's just kind of a thing that they decided would happen. Yeah. But the way that Becky and Sasha both sold it, the way that Bailey sold it by just kind of like lying there being sad, I just thought it was really effective. So that's what my human heart feels. Yes. I thought so too. Good choice. Well, those were the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. It's now time to designate one or more professional wrestlers from this episode as the recipients of the Borens Olivier Award for Outstanding Commitment to the Bit. So, Megan Bob, who gets your Lawrence Bolivier Award for this episode? Ty Dillinger and Jason Jordan. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, I know. You're going like, why the fuck would you do that? They sold the Ascension better than anyone I've ever seen, I think. Oh, I like that. Because they're these big dudes. They're huge. They are visibly powerful. At no point do you think that Jason Jordan and Ty Dillinger can't fuck shit up. Mm Mm-hmm. And then whenever they sold the moves of the Ascension, it was like, oh, my God, the Ascension are so fucking powerful that they can take on these two beefy boys yeah i just felt the ascension differently because like whenever they fight sincata and Callisto, it's like oh because they're fast and nimble and they can do offense that no one else can do right this was just like holy shit they took on these two chunks and they kicked their asses very briefly and it was i don't know i just like the ascension and i have feelings about them <laughs> It was like the middle ground between a squash match and like, you know, a championship match like with the Lucha Dragons that we haven't really gotten with them. Yes. Like they just don't wrestle that kind of match very often where it's like it's a match against a team that they're definitely on a higher tier than. So they're going to win, but they actually have to do the match for a few minutes first. Like it's just not a thing that they do very often. And it was kind of refreshing to see. It was super refreshing. It was one of the nicer Ascension matches I've ever seen. And I really appreciated it because I think it would never have worked if Ty Dillinger and Jason Jordan hadn't truly committed to going, I, big strong guy, am going to make sure that it is clear that I am being punched in the gut, that I can't move, that I'm being overwhelmed, all of that stuff. And I was like, 
the Ascension came out of that looking terrific. Yes. And I thought more highly, I mean, even more highly of Jason Jordan and Taya Dillinger because I was like, selling is so crucial, but you don't always like see it. You need a straight man and they fucking did the best. You're totally right about Dillinger's sell on the fall of man. It was really well done. Yeah, that fucking cover. I was like, I didn't know he could bend that way. That was pretty intense. Miles, who are you giving your Boris Olivier Award to? I'm giving mine to Neville. I know it's not interesting to hotshot this award back and forth between Neville and Zane, but that's kind of what I'm doing. No, that's fair. He did two things in this episode that really won my heart over and made me give him the award. The first thing was how he won the match against Titus. I mentioned earlier there were a lot of good slaps in this episode, so mm. after going back and forth with Titus for a little while and like it kind of becoming clear that Titus was going to overpower him in like a just close encounter situation, like where they're both Ooh. like there was no space between them. Neville just like slapped him in the face as hard as he could. <laughs> and that made Titus mad, and he ran at Neville in the corner, and Neville got his feet up, dropped him, climbs the turnbuckle, red arrow the end. It was such an Adrian Neville way to win that match. Because again, we've talked about Adrian Neville being the guy who knows how wrestling works and being the guy who is very cerebral. And like just the fact that he's like, No, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna slap you in the face, make you mad for a second, and then you're gonna make a mistake and I'm gonna win. It was so good. And then the way he talked to Sammy was just like yeah man no we're buddies i'll give you your mat and just like the pat on the shoulder as he walked past him oof oof holy shit dude so good that was the most like yeah i love you not afraid of you man so like whatever bring it on it's so brutal and like sammy's face selling it yummy yeah neville gets the award for me this time yeah he's so good and he's so underrated because i think sometimes you can't see neville past the shining light that mm-hmm. is Sami Zayn in every single thing he does. But he is such a powerful gravitational pull that is much quieter. And it's amazing. Ironic. Yeah, I know, right? Well, it's all that time he, he spent like with that ex. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Bob, it's going to be time for Wrestling History of the Week in just a second. But first, we got to get your fanfic explaining the wrestling move of the week from two episodes ago, which came up again on this episode because it was another Titus O'Neil match. Yay! That wrestling move was Bear Hug. Huge thanks to Eric McNaughton for giving me these two characters from Toho. I don't fully understand everything. I tried my very best because there is a lot of lore involved And I leaned extraordinarily heavily on exactly what Eric McNaughton fed me. Right. So thank you, Charles Recon. Thank you for saving me and giving me this fanfic directly because I was like, I don't know what to do with all this information. I'm so confused. Charles Recon is good like that. I know. Charles Recon basically saw that I was lost in the time stream and was like, here, come with me. And I was like, okay, great. Thank you. Come with me if you want to live. Thank you. Now, I do want to emphasize these are Japanese names. And despite the amount of time that I have spent with Kit Mulcairn, I have not internalized all of the Japanese pronunciation rules, but I've been told you pronounce every single syllable and it makes sense. And it's not weird and hidden like French or bizarre and arbitrary like English. Okay. So... Cerno was a liability. You couldn't start shit without Cerno rushing in to end it, Ramu thought. Which is how they ended up paired in this tag match against the two Oni, Suika and Yugi. Ramu had had it handled. 
It was going to be a title versus Gord match because the only thing that Suika Ibuki could possibly value as much as Remu valued the title was that ever full booze Gord she kept on her. No, Remu didn't fucking like it. It <laughs> seemed like asking for trouble. But sometimes when someone is nipping into the shrine sake stores, you have to say enough is enough. So she did. And then management heard about it. And then, of course, they wanted to add stakes to this whole thing. So title versus Gord it was. And then Cerno got involved because, of course, she got involved. They had to make it a tag match before the title versus Gord match that Remu didn't really even want to have. And now here Remu was stuck in the corner. Cerno was in the ring being thoroughly worked over, constantly forgetting that it was a tag match <laughs> and freshly surprised each time a new competitor entered. Remu appreciated that at least the crowd was behind her, chanting, Let's go, Baka! And, Nine, nine, nine! <laughs> Remu was half tempted to leave Cerno to it if she was going to be this much of a problem. But she could never truly do that. No champion would do that. But did Cerno have to charge into every single problem? Ugh. It was terrible watching Cerno end up in a brutal bear hug from Yugi Hoshiguma. She swore Hashigumo was going to break Cerno in half, the unbearable squeeze of it, and Cerno squealing and pounding her fists on Hoshiguma's back in pain and frustration as Hoshiguma's muscles rippled. At least a few people in the audience fanned themselves uncomfortably. <laughs> Damn it. Cerno was going to lose on this whole thing, and it wouldn't even be Cerno's fault because she was bad. She was just, well, like she is. Hoshiguma squeezed the bear hug harder and yelled, Tap out, little dummy! Tap out and end this! You think you can face off against the might and power of Yugi Hoshiguma? You're even dumber than you look. Cerno gasped in outrage. <laughs> I'm no dummy. I am the strongest. Rimu privately thought that that was a tough claim to make given the bear hug situation until Cerno pulled out a tornado DDT out of nowhere and slammed Hoshiguma to the mat. Suika even looked up from sipping at her gourd at that impact. <laughs> Cerno got up and brushed herself off, preparing to keep working at Hoshiguma. But Remu had to intervene, had to remind Cerno that no, actually this was a tag match, and no, she couldn't just do this alone. After all, what on earth would Marisa say? And if the match went really well, maybe the draw for the title match would be even more, and then more donations to the shrine, and that would be a good thing. Remu yelled, Cerno! Cerno! Cerno, over here! Cerno looked over in surprise and rushed the corner for the hot tag to Remu. Remu, thank you! I'm so glad you're here with me. Remu half smiled, but there wasn't time for that because Hoshiguma had tagged in Suika and this match needed to be over. It needed to be over now. Remu sprung to the top rope and hit the drunkenly weaving Suika square on the chin with a drop kick that caused her gourd to go flying from her hand and laid her out flat on the mat. Remu rolled her up for the pin as the crowd erupted. This was definitely worth it. The shrine was going to be flooded with donations at that upcoming title match and... Well, Cerno had done all right, too. Jeez, maybe she should ask Cerno how to do that bear hug to DDT thing? <laughs> she might be an impulsive handful, but she wasn't half bad in the ring. Oh, I like it. Thank you so much, Bob. I appreciate that fanfic. And thank you to Eric McNaughton for holding your hand through it. Yeah, boy, you held both my hands. You carried me. There was only one set of footprints in that sand, and they were yours, Eric. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Miles, make my life incredibly hard. All right, let's do it. This is going to be the last time that I do the women's one anyway. So it's now time for Wrestling History of the Week, and it is time for the 12th and final installment of the History of Women's Wrestling. 
We've talked before on this podcast about the Attitude Era, about the Monday Night Wars, when WWF and WCW went head-to-head in an epic ratings battle, to the extent that a ratings battle can ever be said to be epic, which is almost not at all, for the record, (laughs) uh, with WWF eventually coming out on top, purchasing the floundering WCW in 2001. Vince McMahon now had an effective monopoly on the wrestling industry, but he couldn't employ everyone, and the ashes of WCW quickly proved fertile ground for new independent wrestling promotions. The most notable of these, and basically the only one still operating today, was founded in 2002 by Jeff Jarrett, who you might remember from the Good Housekeeping match with China. Yes. His dad, Jerry Jarrett, and wrestling journalist Bob Ryder. In 2003, the struggling company was purchased by Panda Energy and its owners, the Carter family, with Dixie Carter being named president, a position she'd hold until 2016. She would also be a frequent on-screen character. It will come as no surprise to wrestling fans, however, that the promotion's name, Total Nonstop Action, or TNA, was the brainchild of the infamously incompetent shock jock wrestling writer Vince Russo. Fuck you forever, Vince Russo. Oh. In keeping with said name... TNA was originally conceived, as so many new promotions have been, as an edgier alternative to WWE. No, wait, Miles, hold on for one second. Hold the fucking phone. Okay. I just want to pause it. Okay, so they're all coming out of this, like, edgy alternative to WWE. Let us imagine for one second a tame, mild, nothing alternative to WWE. Beige wrestling. <laughs> I don't know what it would be, but I just want to put that concept out into the world as a thing. You have to remember that these days, like when people talk about an edgier alternative to WWE, they're talking about like WWE in the context of its being a PG publicly traded company. Oh. In 2002, an edgier alternative to WWE meant really fucking edgy. Oh. For the first few years of its existence, TNA's relationship with women's wrestling was exactly what you would expect from a company with that particular mission statement. While several notable women worked there in the early days, including many who would later go on to be a part of Shimmer, they were mostly used as valets, and the misogynistic elements of the Attitude Era were very much in force. TNA's very first women's match, for example, was a lingerie battle royal, and it wasn't to crown the first women's champion, it was to crown the first Miss TNA. The winner was Taylor Vaughn, a former WCW Nitro girl whose wrestling career spanned a total of seven matches. It is safe to say that women's wrestling was not a priority of this company. In the beginning, TNA distributed their shows as weekly pay-per-views, but in 2004, they launched the first episode of a television show called Impact, which was broadcast on Fox Sports Net. This show featured the debut of TNA's most recognizable feature, the Six-Sided Ring. Which made TNA feel like a unique product, and was also just really cool. Another innovation was the X-Division, whose catchphrase was, It's not about weight limits, it's about no limits. While anyone could compete in the X-Division, it was primarily known for featuring smaller, faster wrestlers performing incredibly innovative moves with the help of the six-sided ring, the unique ring style. The match that put TNA on the map, which you've seen thanks to our watch parties, was a 2005 X-Division championship match between AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, and Samoa Joe. That was fucking dope. Yeah, and less than a month later, as you might expect, Impact debuted on Spike TV. It was around this time that TNA brought in several ex-WWE women and began the process of actually forming a women's division. In 2006, the company released a DVD titled Knockouts, The Ladies of TNA Wrestling. The name stuck, and the burgeoning TNA women's division became the Knockouts division. 
In contrast to the first Miss TNA, the first Knockouts champion was Gail Kim, a Canadian wrestler of Korean descent who's known for being one of the most technically gifted performers in history. Kim had actually won the WWE women's title in her debut match in 2002, but she was unexpectedly fired just two years later, which was apparently an attempt to cut costs, and which reportedly left Kim completely blindsided. She would form the cornerstone of the Knockouts division, and she'd soon be joined by some of the best female wrestlers in the world, most notably Awesome Kong, Roxy Laveau, and Taylor Wilde. As Vince McMahon was going scorched earth on his women's division in the wake of Trish Stratus' retirement, the women he fired, like Mickie James and Victoria, made their way to TNA, which was also attracting independent female stars like Ayako Hamada and Sarah Stock. The Knockouts division was growing, developing, and most importantly, putting on incredible wrestling matches. There was still plenty of sex appeal, most notably The Beautiful People, a trio of scantily clad blonde mean girls. But the beautiful people were also really good wrestlers, as it happens, and it showed. In 2008, WWE introduced the Divas Championship, as we know. In 2009, TNA introduced the Knockouts Tag Team Championship. Oh, damn. The first time any mixed-gender promotion that I'd ever seen had two titles for women. By that time, the Knockouts were considered the best part of TNA programming, and the rest of TNA programming wasn't bad. Speaking personally, I loved TNA during this period. It was my favorite wrestling show at the time, and the women were a major part of that. The Knockouts division was the first time I had ever seen a company with both men and women actually give the women their due and invest time and creative effort into women's wrestling, and it really fundamentally changed how I saw wrestling going forward. I've never forgotten how much fun it was to see a functional women's division and how completely women's wrestling could elevate a show if given the chance to do so. But of course, all good things come to an end, and in wrestling, all good things come to an end because of Hulk Hogan. (laughs) In 2010, Dixie Carter hired Hogan and former creative head of WCW Eric Bischoff to come in and revamp the promotion, (gasps) hoping to get to a place where TNA could actually compete with WWE. Oh no! Hogan and Bischoff proceeded to get rid of the six-sided ring, and basically made themselves the entire focus of everything creative-wise, and TNA just rapidly went to shit. (sighs) Their attempt to challenge WWE by moving to Monday nights lasted for like four months and they moved back to Thursday nights or whatever with their tails tucked between their legs. By 2013, the women's tag titles were gone and so honestly, so were a good portion of the women themselves. And as it happened, so were Hogan and Bischoff, who utterly failed at challenging Vince and left TNA a smoldering wreck behind them. Oh my god. And personally, I felt very betrayed and hated TNA for a long time after this. Understandable. It would take way too long to go over all the issues, controversies, and changes in ownership TNA has gone through over the course of the past decade. Suffice it to say, it's astounding the company is still around. And it has a much better name now in the form of Impact Wrestling. But not only is it still around, it's actually once again the place to be for women's wrestling, especially considering the recent downfall of NXT. Yeah. As the company recovered from Hogan's intrusion, it brought in wrestlers like Jade, who's better known as Mia Yim, Sienna, Marty Bell, Jessica Havoc, and maybe most importantly, Rosemary and Allie, whose supernatural storyline with the undead bride Sue Young in 2018 and 2019 was just one of the greatest things I've ever seen in the wrestling show. Yeah. And these days, the Knockouts division is stacked. Deanna Perazzo, Jordan Grace, Kira Hogan, current Knockouts champion Tasha Steeles, Tennille Dashwood, formerly known as Emma, just to name a few. The Knockouts title came back in 2020, and what's more, Impact has proven to be 
somewhat fertile ground for intergender wrestling in America. Best exemplified, unfortunately, by Tessa Blanchard, who won the Impact World Championship, the promotion's primary men's title, in 2020. Now, Tessa Blanchard has been accused of bullying. She's made racist comments. She generally seems like a really shitty person to be around, and there's a reason she's not really in wrestling right now. But Mm. she is also the only woman to have ever held the top men's title in a major wrestling promotion. She's not there anymore, obviously, and the non-woman parts of Impact are still pretty shaky at best. (laughs) But they do still do intergender matches, and there's a reason that, with very few exceptions, high-profile female free agents departing WWE have chosen to go to Impact and not to certain other wrestling promotions we don't have to name right now. (laughs) Yeah. When it comes to women's wrestling, Impact is kind of the place to be, and it will never stop being remarkable to me that a company whose name was literally a tits and ass joke for years ended up being the only major independent wrestling promotion in the past 20 years to consistently do a good job with its women's division. During the period between Trish Stratus' heyday and the birth of NXT, TNA was the company that kept mainstream women's wrestling alive, and now that NXT has become whatever it is now... If I had to bet on which company will continue to feature the best women's wrestling in the United States, I certainly would not bet against Impact Wrestling. That's so cool. I've really kind of turned around on them recently. I've had a huge grudge against them for a long time for just turning into what they turned into. That was the end of women's wrestling history. That was kind of the final wrap-up in terms of what other promotions besides WWE have been doing with their women's division over the years. Feels weird for it to actually to be, to be over and for me not to be announcing that there's actually a part 13 coming on episode 80, but we're not doing that. <laughs> I am going to be doing more history segments down the road. I don't really want to commit to doing them every five episodes anymore so we'll just do them when they kind of come up organically like we were doing before all of this started back on like episode 20 or whatever but i hope everybody enjoyed the women's wrestling history segments and two episodes from now bob will somehow have a fanfic put together explaining some aspect of everything i just explained about impact wrestling so thank you for your service bob (laughs) and you will have to do this probably less often going forward interestingly on a fluke just a whim Neil and I actually watched an episode of Impact last night. Oh, yeah? Taya Valkyrie came back. We wanted to see that. And Deanna Peraza was there. And we got to see Rosemary Russell. And so it was like, oh, shit. And you know what? The men's shit wasn't even that bad. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. I've considered getting back into Impact. Yeah. It was totally livable. (laughs) Awesome. Well, hey, if anybody wants to watch some really good women's wrestling right now, go over to Impact. They have, like, a streaming service and everything. All right, Bob. Well... We gotta run. It's been quite the episode, but we can't get out of here before completing the cheap pop quiz. Still rolling with, uh, I believe, one point. A single point for you here, Megan Bob. (laughs) That's okay, though. That's okay. I'm feeling something from you here. I think the horniness is going to really affect your performance in a good way in this upcoming three questions. It's my fucking, like, drug enhancement thing. It's, yeah, it's my steroids. It's like Popeye's spinach. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Megan Bob boners. Just look at Adrian Neville's thighs and I'm like, you know what, I'm 10% Spartaner now. All right, question number one. The next episode features a tag team battle royal to crown a new number one contender for the NXT Tag Team Championship. How many tag teams are in that match, Bob? Is it A, three, B, four, C, five, D, six, 
or E, 10. No, fuck, no fucking way. It's, you know what? I bet they scraped together four. Okay. I, I want, I don't want it to be five because that would almost be respectable. Please let it be four. I want it to be okay. embarrassing. All right. So your answer is B, four. I love it. Yes, please. I hope it is a shit show because I fucking love a shit show. (laughs) Question number two. Uh, As we know, Megan Bob, wrestling fans love to count. Yeah, they do. Which wrestler gets the crowd doing a new counting thing on the next episode? (gasps) Holy shit. Is it A, Justin Gabriel? B, Marcus Louis? C, Carmella? D, Baron Corbin? Or E, Sami Zayn? Uh, fuck. You know what? No. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Carmella. Carmella. Okay. She's new. There's something happening there. Maybe they're ready for it. I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, people would do anything for Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn just says, hey, would you do this? And everybody's like, sure, I would. Why wouldn't I? You're great. But question number three. Speaking of Sami Zayn. On the next episode, Sami Zayn faces his latest roadblock on his road to redemption, and then immediately learns who's coming after that. (gasps) So who are Sami's next two opponents? Are they A, Titus O'Neil and Tyler Breeze? Huh. B, Titus O'Neil and Adrian Neville? C, Tyler Breeze and Adrian Neville? D, Tyler Breeze and Jack Swagger? Ugh. Or E, Jack Swagger and Cesaro. Uh, I want to see Cesaro. Me too. But I don't want to see Jack Swagger. Mm, interesting. That's terrible. I know they're still probably doing their thing. And fuck Jack Swagger. But I don't think they, I don't think they were by this time. Actually, they were already split up. Why would they? Uh, Okay, I don't know. You said interesting, so <laughs> which could go either fucking way. Sometimes you say interesting whenever I say something batshit, but that's all I've got to go on. And it makes no fucking sense to me that there would be another match with Titus O'Neil just for funsies. Although, I don't know, unless it's to solidify the fact that, yes, he can beat Titus O'Neil. Right. But, like, that seems like a waste. I don't need to see that match again, so I hope they don't do that. Okay. Even if it's him kicking his ass, I'm still like, I don't really need to see it. And then, no, he can't fight Neville yet. It's too soon. This has to be edged out longer. No, no, no. Okay. So I'm going to say, why the fuck not Jack Swagger and Cesaro? That would be fun and terrible, even though I hope Jack Swagger falls into a vat of pudding and then falls off a cliff. Jack Swagger and Cesaro are your answers. And come back on our next episode to see how Megan Bob did on this latest incarnation of the Cheap Pop Quiz. Well, that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bob, it's been 75 episodes. Thank you so much for joining me on each and every one of them. I can't believe that we got here. Whenever we started on this journey, I don't think I dreamed that that was a number we could get to. That we are now within, I'm not going to say spitting distance of 100, but we're significant. You know what, Miles? I, I can do a math. We're three quarters of the way to 100 we are. episodes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a mathematical fact. You can fucking take that to the bank. It can't be denied. Like, you can't yeah. just, like, tell Bob that they're wrong about Wait, that. It's Miles, a fact. the numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. And they spell disaster for you. <laughs> 
I made a thing. I made a wrestle joke because I remember the thing. Thank you. So proud of you. Thank you. Hey, it's been a great 75 episodes. Thank you all so much for uh, being along for the ride with us on this. As it happens, uh, you've got a bit of a reward coming on our next episode because we are very excited about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind Uh, of extraordinary. We're very happy, very happy about the next one. So keep an eye out for that one. Thank you in particular to our patrons, uh, those of you who go over to patreon.com slash NXT wrestling fan and donate a little bit of your hard-earned money to help keep the show going. We really appreciate you. One of the ways in which we appreciate you is if you give us enough money, uh, you win the next Wrestling Fan Federation Championship. Yes. The current reigning champion, at least until now, was Harry Bumblespike of Bumblespike Hall, who we've all been following their shenanigans uh, over the last few months. Yeah, Harry Bumblespike been going through some stuff. They have, but they have also been going through a dethroning because there is a new Next Wrestling Fan Federation champion, Bob. And uh, this one might feel like it's coming out of nowhere a little bit, but do you remember back in the trios tournament mm-hmm. when there was that great match that involved Carol Staples, Mildred Burns, and Courtney Barrister turning it raw? Yes, I do. Is a then classic. They- yeah, and then they ended up being joined by uh, Minerva Frost, and it seemed like that was kind of going to be a faction that was going to work its way through the next Wrestling Fan Federation roster. Yes. They have been doing exactly that since we last left them. Uh, we've been very focused on the championship picture uh, recently, but in the non-championship picture, those four have been amassing quite the winning streak, all of them, in all their <laughs> endeavors, to the extent that when it came time to crown a new number one contender to the next Wrestling Fan Federation Championship, we had a fatal four-way match, <gasps> and we were like, who's been winning the most? And it turned out to be the four of them. Oh, crap. <laughs> so they had a very competitive but very friendly, no, uh, no like heel turns or anything happening. The group was still together. They had a very friendly but hard-hitting match to determine the number one contender. That match ended up being won by Carol Staples. Oh. <gasps> And Carol Staples then went on to become the new Next Wrestling Fan Federation champion, dethroning Harry Bumblespike in what some consider to be an upset. I certainly would, because Carol Staples has been so focused on being kind of a helper to other people's journey. But I'm Mm -hmm. really glad to see her claiming the spotlight for herself and sort of showing that, you know, other people should listen to her. She knows what what the fuck she's about. I think that's sort of the attitude that her group came into the match with. Uh, They were all very supportive during her championship bout. And yeah, Carol Staples, one of those wrestlers who, you know, has always been uh, just really, really good from a technical perspective in the ring, but never quite got that championship run. And now she has it. So uh, congratulations to Carol. Thank you to Bridget Blakemore. Uh, for uh, upping your pledge to us and thus winning the championship. Anybody wants to step up, see if they can't take that title from Carol Staples, go over to patreon.com slash NXT wrestling fan and consider joining at the $10 level or above. Of course, if you join at the $5 level, you get early access to all of our episodes. And if you join at the $2 level, you still get a wrestling character. We still get to have some fun with you in our little storylines. All kinds of great uh, rewards for you over at patreon.com slash NXT wrestling fan. So head over there right now. If you don't want to, don't have the money, can't manage it at the moment. We love you. Totally yeah, we fine. Do. Please don't worry about it. No, we God, really no. appreciate you. 
being on this journey with us. Once again, really looking forward to the next episode, so I hope you all enjoy it. We will see you then in two weeks with a new episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Yeah! The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Lucas Brown, with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. The NXT Wrestling Fan is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us out, go to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and join our fantastic stable of contributors. They're the best. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. It is extraordinary. Mm. Oh, sorry, Jesus, I was so lost in no, my you're fine. fucking reverie. I forgot <laughs> to ask you. I'm sorry, Miles, I was on a different plane. Okay, you're fine. Miles, what did your elf eyes see?